Hi, Laura. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Philip. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's been it's been a day. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to have you on the show. And do you want to give a background introduction of, of who you are and, and what exciting things you're working on? Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Laura Zwanziger, and I'm the founder and CEO of Fit for Everybody. My background is as a designer. I could knit since before I could read, and I decided that design was what I was going to do for the rest of my life at the age of 13. I went to Cornell for apparel design and started my career in a factory. Uh, I then worked as a product developer for knitwear at Oscar de la Renta, which was a position in the design department. I was there for about four years um, before kind of switching gears and attending business school at MIT, which is where I started Fit for Everybody. Okay. What is Fit for Everybody? Because it's kind of a, uh, it's not your typical fashion company, is it? Uh, no. So Fit for Everybody is a platform to improve fit and sizing of women's wear from the design stage. And we're taking a multifaceted approach. So if you are a shopper, you can visit our website and learn how to take your measurements online through easy to use uh, video and uh, verbiage. Uh, so that you can save a size profile for yourself so that you can shop better uh, by knowing your measurements when you're shopping online. And our goal is to be able to use those measurements anonymously to learn how to make better sizes. On the design and factory side, we've built a platform to improve the process of coming up with a first garment that is correct and fits the way that that garment should fit on the desired body. Uh, and so we've built out a platform to support designers and factories in getting to a correct uh, sample as quickly as possible so that when you scale from there, you're doing it as accurately as possible. So without this tool, what, what are people using currently? There's lots of different ways of communicating directions about a design to a factory, and that's called a tech pack. It's short for technical package. So any way that a designer is going to communicate their idea to a factory, and that can look very different depending on the designer. It could be sending a reference sample. It could be a scribbled sketch. It could be a really in-detailed illustrator rendering or 3D rendering with a CAD program and potentially some measurement. And some are better than others, uh, depending on the background of the designer and how well they're willing to communicate with that factory. So it's unstandardized the way it works in the industry. It really just depends on the designer and the factory. Yeah, on the designer and the factory, also kind of the generation in which either the designer or the factory kind of came up in the industry, the way you were educated in school, I think shapes a lot of what you think the right way to do a tech pack is, whether that's using Excel uh, or, or some other program. People kind of tend to not vary or waver very much in the way that they do things. Um, so like if you were hand sketching all the way through your career, that's probably what you're doing by the end of your career, unless you can be persuaded to change for something that's easier. From my experience with the fashion industry, that's that's pretty hard to persuade people to do things a little differently. They are kind of set in their ways. I think that rings true. I think there's been a bit more of an openness to try new things because of how difficult things have gotten. The pandemic, supply chain issues, people are looking for solutions that to their everyday need, low lift 
benefits for them that will have an immediate impact on on the front of mind problems of their day. And so the idea of Fit for Everybody, this isn't just gigantic factories that work with gigantic designers, right? This could be small factories, individual or independent designers or whatever the word is. It's for everybody. The design industry, the fashion industry is really varied. So you have all different size companies uh, designing and factories of all different sizes and all different kind of maturity levels of how long they've been in business. And so our goal is that we have a basic enough product that can fit into the workflow that goes into making a garment, that it communicates design literacy uh, in a way that even if a factory doesn't have a color printer, for example, and you're a designer using our platform, we can help you from the design side and you can print that out and walk it to your factory and hand them that one pager and we can work with them at that level. Uh, we have been focusing on kind of the smaller designers to start. Some larger companies have systems in place and have enough clout to be able to push change. I think our sweet spot where we're particularly coming in is we can support those smaller and mid-sized companies that are pretty analog mm-hmm. even still. Yes, definitely. I think uh, there's maybe been one factory I've been to that they, they have a computer. This is a fairly new venture. How are you measuring success now or, or what are your goals um, to start with? Yeah, so we measure success by the impact we have for our clients. So currently we've saved one client 30% on sampling and two weeks in their development timeline. These are exciting and tangible metrics that we're looking to build upon as we expand the platform. Uh, Our platform is consistent, but it's also modular. So if you have years of design experience or you're just starting out, we have the bare essentials for design literacy in the platform. So easy to learn, easy to use, high impact right away. How, how does a real designer go do, do this? Because I, I know how I do it, but no one's told me I'm doing it the same way that everyone else is doing it. So I think everyone kind of has their own process and maybe their their process is the right way because it's in the same way that selling clothes is about branding, working in the industry is a bit about branding too and how you brand yourself as a designer. Uh, but at least in my experience, when you have a design team and you're you're not the one maybe necessarily making the creative decisions. Um, There are going to be some senior designers or directors who are going to make a decision about the direction of a season. For example, if you're you're making an entire collection, they're going to have say about what things are going to look like, uh, potentially with input from other departments like sales or merchandising. Again, these are bigger companies that are going to have some sales data and customer feedback, and they're going to make decisions about what they want to see. And you'll start out by doing some concept work, pulling images and inspiration, getting approvals on what direction they like conceptually from, again, the leaders and the team, and then building these into shapes and sketches and deciding on what materials are going to be used and colors along with the rest of the collection. So there's all different types of products um, designed by different people being developed in tandem. Uh, And then based on the most exciting prospects from sketches and CAD work, CAD is computer-aided design, so a lot of Photoshop and Illustrator, uh, decisions from 
more senior folks will go towards what are we actually going to see as a sample? And then you make, like we talked about the tech pack. So what are the instructions that a designer will give a factory and get them the materials they need to build this first prototype, which you then fit on a model, decide if you like it, what you're going to change. At that point, some things just get thrown out. They say, you know, we saw it, we tried it, no more. Um, But then you iterate on that. And sometimes the iterations have to do with changing your mind and the design is actually just innovating. You saw something, you didn't like it, you changed it or something came in wrong. It's not what you were hoping for. It's not how you felt that you had given directions. It wasn't interpreted as you would say from the designer's point of view that it was correct in quotation. Uh, And you iterate and go back and forth with the factory to get to a, a sample that's correct. Um, and that can be approved for production to then be produced and put out in the world. Is it a lengthy process? How how far in advance or how, how long does this take? Different companies will have a different number of seasons every year. So they, like some companies are doing two collections a year, some are doing four, some are doing six. There's some companies who do like 11 product releases a year. So that's <laughs> going to vary the number, like how how quickly they're iterating and how many how many products they're putting out. I worked in a company that was doing four ready-to-order collections a year. So you're looking at give or take around three months. Um, but they're not really laid out in exactly three months chunks. So give or take about three months of development time from concept through to this is what we're going to be selling and we can see a a finished sample. But in terms of the sampling process, usually about two months. Okay. So the majority of the time is is sampling? Yeah. I mean, you'll sample stitches. I mean, I did knitwear. So sampling stitches for for something that would be a woven material, developing your, your fabrics and materials takes time as well. And I mean, a lot of that, Even I mean, I've never really worked in fabrics, so I can't really speak to that, but that can happen months in advance because you need to design the fabric and then you need to make the fabric before you even get to the point of being able to make anything with it or you're using stock fabric from companies that already have that in stock. If we're taking the three months and then two months of that are making samples, there could be a huge benefit of making the samples come by come by faster or or having fewer iterations. For sure. I think one of the features that I'm really excited about is just more checkpoints. And you can either say like, please fix this before you send it or, okay, close enough. I'll say yes. And I want to actually just see it in person. And in that way, if you're able to fix things before it's sent, if you're sending from say Europe or the Far East, you could save just even a week in shipping alone. That makes a lot of sense. It's the, the way things should be because you, you almost want to be like one individual collaborating. And so you want to get that feedback sooner rather than later. For sure. And everyone benefits from getting that information sooner than later. I can definitely understand the that everybody's rushed and working as hard as they can and wanting to just get a sample out. So you shove it in a box and ship it out, having not checked, working too quickly, having a rush sample, and then 
having it received by the person who's supposed to be paying for it and them saying, you know, no, that's either not what I asked for. This doesn't look right. And I don't, you know, I'm not paying for this. And you end up with an escalation where you don't need it. And like, if you had just taken a minute, measured it, even if it went out a day later, even if it was approved across the board, you're going to end up saving time by not sending something that won't be accepted uh, and then needing fewer iterations. And you almost have like a half iteration in some ways of, oh, change this neck trim or can you remit one sleeve? You know, being able to fix problems before they escalate, I think is a big part of what we decided to build and building accountable accountability into the process and just a really clear history of a style of Yes, things have changed and updated and maybe you want to make a new style based off of this old style. How do we keep that history relevant and available to the people who need to see that so that they have the information they need and have a pathway to ask for any additional information without maybe having a negative experience of having asked for more information and then getting your head ripped off by somebody who didn't want to answer a question. A lot of what we built was to address the issues that happen with design that just asking a question of like, could you please clarify, could solve. Mm -hmm. Getting the garment right and and getting our design into reality. At least for designers, that's, that's what we live for. Yeah, you have this idea and you're giving an idea of something that doesn't exist yet to somebody else. Have them be able to understand what you're asking and then be able to translate that into a physical object that didn't exist before. That's not easy. People might not know exactly what they want, but they know what they don't want. As a designer, you get very invested in what you're expecting to get. And anything short of that, I think, can be a difficult to swallow. Asking questions is so important and and having a context where you can do that is not always easy. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned the two months of sampling and then the potentially three-month window. How frequently does it actually check all the boxes before like there's no time? I don't know if I wouldn't even know a percent at this time. Some companies will do something called a sampling ratio where they'll sample some number of garments with the expectation that they're going to approve some proportion of that. So like for every three samples, we're going to make sure we can approve two. And like when you get down to the wire, it comes to a point of like, is it perfect? Maybe not. Is it good enough? Okay. The more iterations you have to do, the later you're pushing production, the shorter these garments are going to be on the floor before they get marked down. So, and you want the garments on the floor for full price selling for as long as possible. Aha. Uh-huh. I wouldn't know anything about that because I don't finish or sell any of my items. But I'm new to this, which is maybe why it takes so long. Regardless of how far in your career you get, you're still going to get surprises. I've been at Oscar maybe about a little over a year, and we had seen a sample of a type of stitch, and we thought it's probably crochet or macrame. It's really cool. The designer figured, like, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take it to the factory. Someone's going to know how to do this thing, and we're going to use it as a stitch in the season. It's cute. It's going to be great. And so we brought it to the factory. What looked like a simple stitch, it was an even repeat, like there should be a way to follow this string around to recreate what it is. They were like, okay, we're going to take it, we're going to ask around, we're going to figure it out for you. And they found one person who was able to do it. And it was this technique used to fork 
because you needed to have like two active ends to be able to pass loops through at the same time. So they had to go out and get a four-pronged fork of a certain scale to then be able to recreate this stick, but only one person knew how to do it. So it became this whole saga for something that we thought was just going to be really easy. And there are, there's always going to be surprises, but there's things that you can be really consistent and disciplined about that make those kind of crazy incidences the exception, not the rule. I had a similar experience where I went to two different factories with the same pattern and each factory came out with something slightly different. Now, I could see the difference between the two, but one factory couldn't. But when I brought it to the second factory, they immediately pointed out that theirs was handmade and the other was not. And that's why the other didn't look so good. Now, I'm probably feeling the handmade versus machine-made fire, but I did feel some concern. And what happens when these guys retire? There's a lot of considerations and expertise that go into handling this type of manufacturing that the U.S. in a lot of ways has fallen behind on in that for the past several decades, we went from kind of 95% of clothes being manufactured on shore to only 5%. And I hope that the skill and knowledge of people who have been making clothing for years is not lost because I think there's so much potential in new technologies being balanced by the old school, handmade know-how. Okay, hear me out. Back in the day, there was brain drain by the U.S. to other countries. Uh, I suppose maybe the word is immigration. People came to the U.S. to make money uh, and bring their experience and knowledge here. And now the reverse is happening. So maybe it's all a cycle. Plenty of the older folks I worked with, they always say that's just fashion. That used to be cool, you know, 30 years ago and now it's back. Maybe the same applies here. I kind of like that thought. Anyway, clothes aren't going to be the same. I mean, they're already not the same as they used to be, I think. But well, who knows? Maybe they'll be better. I don't know. I'll be optimistic. I I think there's opportunity. I think the drive towards fast fashion of just pushing more worst quality product has moved us away from the best practices. I have some wonderful pieces in my wardrobe that were my mom's from the 80s and 90s, better condition than a lot of the clothes I've had for two years that I've bought recently that are in impeccable shape and have incredible construction. And if we move away from just disposable, cheap clothing, there is an opportunity to move back to higher price point garments that are made to last. I mean, the industry standard of 40 washes is not met by fast fashion. This is a bit of a sidebar, but I inventory my clothing and I tally every time I wear it. So I record how much I spend on a garment and I tally every time I wear it. And the goal is to wear it at least as many times as the dollars I spent on it. And I call it wearing it down to the dollar. So in your calculation, does it count if you are just wearing it indoors and not going outside? Because the shirt I'm wearing right now has holes everywhere. I, I'm looking down at the moment because you're making me laugh because uh, I have a pair of lovely shoes right here that I've never worn outside. So we're both trying to make the most of our clothes. Do you have more details on this? I have a blog post on our website about dollar listing, which is what I call it. So feel free to link to that. We have the spreadsheet set up for you guys to use. Just download it from the site. It's ready in a Google Doc. Color coding and all. Will do. Are there any last words you'd like to share? 
if designers or factories are looking for ways to be more efficient, to communicate more clearly through their sampling process, I can understand how, how frustrating that cycle can be. We would love to help. You can reach out to us at info at fitforeverybody.com. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Laura. And I hope I was able to get everything that you wanted to talk about. Worst case, we just do a part two. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Philip. Oh, thank you.